This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, the UK broadcasters of the Australian Open, from where Catherine and I talk to you inside the players' area, outside the players' restaurant, with Mark Woodford, multiple Grand Slam champion, just walking past having done his day's work. He's commentated on the tennis, and Catherine... This is an extraordinary place to be broadcasting and podcasting the tennis podcast, isn't it? After Roger Federer has just defeated Thomas Burdick. And I'm going to keep my voice down a little just as I say that because Thomas's uh, wife, Esther, is just about 20 feet away from us at the moment. And um, I mean, it was, it was a, we'll get on to the, the match itself in, in a moment or two, but uh, just a little anecdote, uh, uh, which just gives you an idea of the sort of frame of mind that I think Federer is in and is usually in. We just saw an amazing interview, I thought, one of his best interviews on court with Jim Courier. Just Certainly now. one of his longest. It yeah. was a long one. I, I think Courier, incidentally, has been superb this, this fortnight. I really do. Uh, I think uh, sometimes he's, uh, he's overdone it in the interviews in the past, um, but I think that this week he's got the tone just right in the interviews and, uh, and he's got a lot from these players. They've been at ease. And, and Federer today talking about the, the Flinders Station design on the shoe uh, which uh, which he has on there, he says, because he thinks storytelling in sport is important, and you're not allowed to have, not allowed to have trophies on a, on a shoe. Apparently, it turns out that's what he said. So, oh, who sets a rule that you're not allowed an image of a trophy on your shoe? Well, I don't know who sets the rule, do I? But anyway, I apparently mean, that, that's what that he is said. Definitely not true. I mean, who <laughs> who is out there legislating for what you can have on your shoes? What a load of codswallop! <laughs> Catherine calls Roger Federer Codswallop uh, here on the Tennis I mean, Podcast. I'm, Great well, work. I can only assume he's, he's, he's misunderstood the rules. Maybe. I know also. I mean, I know they do love rules I here in Australia. Seen, they really do. But I mean, who's got the authority to legislate for, for what graphics you have on your shoe? Oh, I'm. This is preposterous. This is a preposterous way to start this tennis podcast. Well, I'm enjoying it. Anyway, uh, he went on to uh, to also say that he tried on in the early stages of their careers. He tried on Nadal's Capri pants. 
those trousers that he used to wear, which uh, was also a little bit of a, a, a shocker. In private, I presume. But probably. It reminds me, we've just seen John McEnroe walk past because he's just gone on to, to have his exhibition uh, match in the evening session here. I remember when he told me that, uh, that he wore Bjorn Borg underwear, the official branded Bjorn Borg underwear. Yeah, I've been witness to that myself. Those were the days. I eh? uh, probably should clarify that comment. I've witnessed them being washed. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, probably best in, a, could... in a sink, um, uh, in a sink backstage at a Champions Tour event in Luxembourg. Right, I see. Thanks for the info. Um, and anyway, just to, just to complete my quite long-winded uh, anecdote here. So while I was waiting for you to, to come and join me here for the tennis podcast recording, out of the locker room, which is just about hmm, 20 feet to, um, to my right at the moment, came Roger Federer. And uh, he walked past me and he walked past um, Thomas Burdick's... Well, he didn't stop to chat. No, he didn't stop to chat, no. He doesn't... Maybe I'm in the I bad mean, box. Maybe, maybe David, I'm in the relevance. David Lord chats lead to Australian Open titles. Well, that's this true. We know. He hasn't thought that through, has he? No. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, he, he, he walked past and, and he, he sort of was on his way to the press conference. And over his right shoulder, he suddenly realised he'd just walked straight past Thomas Burdick's wife, Esther. Esther. And, um, and he stopped, stock still. And he went back and he said, oh, I'm sorry, can I just say hello quickly? And uh, they said hello. And, uh, and, and he said, sorry, by the way. <laughs> And she said, oh, it's all right. And then she said to, she said to her friend, oh, he's so polite, isn't he? Wasn't that nice? So, there we have it. She said, oh, it's OK, though. Shouldn't she say, no, it's blooming well not OK. Well, would you? Mm. No, you'd be polite, wouldn't you? That's just the way it works. So, um, yeah, the match itself started with, uh, with Federer. I, in his words, feeling antsy and frustrated at the way things were going on the court and he went 5-2 down he was two set points down and uh, and Thomas Burdick was playing incredibly well wasn't he he was play- I mean he, he really was playing superbly he was playing brilliantly the problem is you knew as soon as he lost that first set that the, the, the challenge was over he is capable of of playing brilliantly but f- for a man of his experience he played that that the the trajectory of that match, the narrative of that match, was that of a sort of young player that that mentally can sort of challenge for that first set, and then if they lose it in a narrow, heartbreaking fashion, they sort of can't quite recover from the disappointment and can't recapture their their form and belief of the first set. And Thomas Burdick's 32, and he's been in a Grand Slam final, and he's been in uh, countless. Well, not countless. They, you definitely can count them, but I don't happen to have the stat to hand. But he's been in this situation many times before, and unfortunately, he just has the. Um, this is a very precarious place to be recording this podcast, David, because his his nearest and dearest are over my shoulder. How low can I talk, and it still be audible Do to our listeners? Exceptional job. Um, well, I mean, he's just got a. When he went off at that injury timeout at the, at the end of the second set, I, I, I don't know exactly what that was for because he received the timeout off court and I'm not for a moment questioning that there was uh, an, not an injury going on, but my brother sent me a text saying Thomas Burdick suffering from a chronic case of not being, good, not being as good as Roger Federer here. Well. And that, that's the bottom, that is the bottom line and he goes on the court thinking that. Um, and it's, it's an inferiority complex, and it's, it's an understandable one because 
fundamentally he's an inferior tennis player mm. and he's been hamstrung by his talent I suppose and and by beating Roger Federer in 2004 in Athens at the Olympics and that was the way he announced himself onto the tennis scene was it and wasn't it and he's very very good but he's limited yeah yeah and uh, it shows how well he did to win five out of eight matches in that period between 2010 in 2013, he was fantastic in that. He period. was back when he was fearless, though. Mm. There's this fear in his eyes now, and, and a sort of a sort of mental scar tissue does yeah. build, doesn't it? And, Absolutely. And, and I, f- I do feel that we, we've talked and followed, obviously, Grigor Dimitrov's career throughout, and that has built. I think they've done an exceptional job of sort of scraping it away. Yeah, reversing years. the damage. Yeah. But at the same time, you know. If you get too many tough losses, and it, it can be hard, and that's that actually, I think, is one of one of the great achievements of Federer in this era, is that he has reversed that rivalry with Nadal, and and you have to probably give huge credit, I think, to Ivan Lubitsch in that regard, um, and and other coaches, Stefan Edberg as well, but mostly this, whatever they've done to get to this point where they've turned that rivalry around because Nadal's not a worse player no no um, he, he's found the key and he and and I don't think, I think that's actually one of the exceptional things about Federer is that he's never given in to repeated defeats mentally he's he's always seems to have been able to reset and go on the court thinking new day I'm going to win pretty cool <laughs> yeah Roger Federer, pretty cool. That could be the headline. Um, yeah, I mean, and just news on, on Nadal before we talk about um, the women's quarterfinals that we've seen today. News on Nadal is that about a three-week recovery period for, yes. the, for the injury. To, it's not actually a hip injury, is it? It's sort of a, a very um, high-up place in his leg. Yeah. Not, not the official medical term. First-degree injury first degree. of some description. Uh, but I couldn't remember the exact I'm surprised wording. that any first-degree injury can heal in three weeks, but <laughs> these, I mean, these it's people probably, are superhuman, It's probably a little tear, and yeah. it's probably one of those that if you carried on playing at that sort of level, you're just expanding that tear, mm. and it's getting worse, you know? So, as we said last night, what is it? Two, two retirements in 264 matches, you know, at Grand Slams, you, you really you can know. understand that... Yeah. that especially when a match is poised at two sets all. I mean, I, I, I spoke to Marin Cilic afterwards um, for Five Live, and he, you know, I think he was, he was absolutely overjoyed to win, but he would love to have carried on because he was playing so well. He really was playing well last night. Um, and, uh, and Nadal, yeah, I think he's absolutely gutted. It really is. That was another thing Federer said straight after the match today, is that he, he, the last thing he did before going to bed last night was text Rafael Nadal. And, no. And, and, I didn't know, hear him say yeah, that. That's and, a great just, line. Just said, you know, well, he's a rival and a friend and somebody that it's hard, to, in his words, hard to see somebody go through that, you know. And, and I, I, think, I, I think that's genuine. I really do. He was clearly um, in a... In a bad place last night Nadal wasn't he I think we recorded before he came uh, to his press conference but by all accounts that was a pretty sombre affair um, yeah. that of course was before he had the scam which revealed um, although it's bad news in the immediate term nothing nothing serious which is very welcome news but yeah, he took a, a few moments with his head, head bound before taking questions in that press conference which um, 
yeah, it's a tough one, tough one to watch. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a tough one. Um, we have had today a, a succession of very different types of, of match to what I think we would have expected early on. Oh, um, it, I mean, immensely different, immensely different. I mean, I. I, I, I could not have bigged up the two women's semi-finals um, more <laughs> on Eurosport and on the tennis podcast. Um, I was genuinely feverish with excitement about. I had to find something to be excited about in lieu of any animals being <laughs> being uh, lay, laid upon me today. Um, and they were very disappointing, weren't they? In terms of competition. Um, they were extremely disappointing. I mean, goodness me, Angelique Kerber um, to, to to crush Madison Keys in the way she did, and in a slightly different way. Goodness me, Simona Hallett because she was yeah. very nearly full of down, and what she lost two games after that. Yeah, well, she won. Was, I think eight games in a row from Love Three Breakpoint down, and uh, I mean, part of me's a little disappointed in both Pliskova and Keys because as well as those other two players were playing, that points to big-hitting players who just w- were a little reckless and, and erratic and weren't hitting the mark and, and you know, maybe needed to dial it in, quite honestly. Um, that's, that's the problem with those sort of games is, is you know, th- there's so little margin for error with it. It's, it's, it's absolutely yeah. thrilling when it comes off, but, you know, th- they've got beaten... So heavily, so heavily that that I, I, I wonder whether maybe they they should have been adjusting things rather. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, different stories in both because Pliskova just seemed completely shell shocked by the end of the first set. She seemed to look a bit like, goodness me, I was nearly full love, and here I am, <laughs> here I am in a terrible position. And and you know, you're right that these are not players with troubleshooting in their arsenal um, you know there are probably similarities with, with Thomas Burdick there you know they, they've got a game it's very Younger, very though. good so they, they at least have less of that scar tissue to which we refer and I suspect well you would hope would be able to bounce back for future instalments would hope I do worry a little bit for Madison Keys though because she seems not she is still young uh, and I'm not desperately worried but she seems sensitive and she's had a couple of experiences now the US Open final and here today where she's she's not done it in any way on the big stage she's she's crumbled a bit really she's just not been able to produce anything like what she's produced to get her to that point and I think Lindsay Davenport is, is the person to be able to help her through that I think that's a magnificent relationship but um, yeah I do, I do worry a little bit but as I say because she seems to be a sensitive character and, mm. and we've seen so many examples of how it, how it builds up yeah yeah we, we have that having been said <sighs> crikey we're in for a I know, I know it's easy to tempt fate, and, and we've, we've said this about the, those prospective clashes in the quarterfinals, but if, if Simona Hallop against Angelique Kerber isn't a, an absolute classic, I'm really devastated. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, As I don't think you're alone. Gigi Salmon walks by, and she's <laughs> off uh, out of the commentary box and heading home. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will ask for some sort of refund from Australia. 
it's Angelique Kerber. A refund from tennis. Yeah. Um, if Angelique Kerber against Simona Halep isn't a cracker. I mean, Halep said she was preparing herself for another three hours and 44 minutes, which is really good to hear. Her attitude, incidentally, talking about someone who's reversing or trying to reverse the effects of scar tissue... She seems to be doing it to me. She, I know it's very easy to talk the talk about going out there and trying to have fun and not worrying too much about whether balls are going in or out and, and whether you're going to win or lose. Just go out there, try to have fun and, and do what you do best. But I'm sort of believing it from her now. I, I am believing that there has been a bit of a shift in her her mentality and she is she is... Yeah, reversing the damage of experiences past a little bit. And, and we've talked about it before. I think being world number one might have a little bit to do with that. Yeah. She, I mean, she could lose it this tournament. She very well could. I think Caroline Wozniacki is in with a decent shout of taking yeah. it from her. Um, but, yeah, it, it, oh, goodness me, that had better be the match that we all want it to be. <laughs> or I'll be getting my crocodile out and I'll be taking aim. Yes, if you're not sure what she's referring to, go on our Instagram page because <laughs> Catherine with crocodiles is a thing. Um, and uh, she's also put up the video of when she met the... Was it a python or a boa constrictor? It was Ollie, the olive python. Some massive snake, anyway. He does... He, um, he kills his prey um, by uh, slowly con- constricting himself around them and, and suffocating them. Right. And as this snake was tying itself in an ever tighter knot around me, I was gently informed by the handler that they've never been known to kill humans. Um, but they do sometimes kill, uh, kill crocodiles and eat those. Right. So, okay. Comforting news. Yes, well, thankfully, uh, safe and sound. <laughs> <laughs> post, post event. Post Ollie the Olive Python. Yes. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. The other match that we had today sandwiched in between those two women's quarterfinals was between uh, Chung Kyun um, and uh, uh, Tennis Sandgren. Um, first and foremost, a straight sets win for Chung, who just isn't losing his way at all. I mean, he is just grasping this opportunity and playing with such verve and confidence and spirit and, and, and skill. I mean, what a player we've got on our hands here. Yeah, in the words of Rob Curling in the Eurosport studio, Sangren might have lost, but tennis was the winner today. <laughs> There you go. Always rely on Rob. Good work, Rob. Um, and he's right, because uh, Chung Hyun is, is great news for tennis. I love his attitude. I can't get enough of his uh, post-match press, uh, press conferences and interviews. And, and you're right about Jim Carrey. One of the things he's got really right this week is getting Chung to speak um, Korean. And he actually yeah. t- he takes nice the touch. mic from him, doesn't he? And, and, and I like that, you know. There's a real composure in, in that moment. And... I am not saying he's going to go out there and beat Roger Federer, but I think he's going to give him his biggest test so far, which is, you know, the the non-prediction of all non-predictions because Federer hasn't lost a set so far. And yet, even despite that, it doesn't feel like he's at his absolute best at the moment. No. To me. Absolutely not. And they've never played before, um, which is going to be interesting. Chung is... He's in that career sweet spot of just knowing that he's playing the best tennis of his life. There's probably almost certainly better to come, but up until this point, best tennis of his life, and he's completely fearless. Yeah, nobody expects him to win. Nobody, Nobody's going to give him a hard time if he doesn't win. And he's also Djokovic-like in terms of the way he plays the sport. I mean, you're not going to be able to hit a stroke, get him off balance and automatically win a point. This is, this is one of those guys that rewrites the rules of radio commentary that I've talked about with Nadal and Murray and Djokovic because you feel like you're coming to the end of a point and you're about to crescendo with, a, with, with, with the final shot and oh no, suddenly Speedy Gonzalez out there has just suddenly got another ball back and you're back into a baseline rally again. That's what this guy plays like and he can also hurt because his his game is big he, you know his ground strokes are are spiteful um and spiteful, look that's a at great the, word look at the the rivalry between Djokovic and Federer in the last five years it has been dominated by Novak Djokovic so if 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 Chung can bring that kind of tennis out against Federer we could have a real match on our hands real match we could yeah and and uh, we both spoke to um Thomas Johansson earlier today of course the champion here back in 2002 very much a surprise champion um, I know they've had a few of them down the years surprise champions here but for me he, he was you know the biggest out of nowhere champion the year that Tim Henman was the top seed left in yes. <laughs> yeah um, that's how us Brits remember it um, and uh, talked to him mostly about Kyle Edmund um, because he's been hitting with Kyle for the past few days. You chatted him for uh, BBC Radio as well. But the last question I asked him was about 
being the underdog at slams and, and being somebody that nobody expected even to get to this point, let alone get any further. And I said, you know, are you the per- perfect person to to tell Gar- Kyle that it's worth believing because the unexpected can and does happen. You know, I, I am living proof of it. And, um, you know, obviously that applies to, to Chung and, and to Edmund in these instances. And uh, he told this lovely little anecdote about how Stefan Edberg and Mats Verlander came to speak to him on the morning of his final against Marit Safin back in 2002. And again, it sounds trite and like something you hear all the time, but he said, they just told me to enjoy it. That was the only message they were trying to hammer home to me. And, and he said... He tried to put it into action that day, and obviously that worked marvellously, but he said how much he's thought about it since then and how much sense it makes to him, makes more sense to him with every passing day, and he said he was going to do his very best to impart that to Kyle tomorrow or today or whenever they'll uh, next be seeing one another. Because he's been hitting with him... A couple of times this week. Cause, yeah, yeah I think the past three days yeah. they've been hitting together because of the uh, the Freddie Rosengren um, connection. He is not from v- Veshka, Vishk, Vosh. The thing is that the, the name of this town in Sweden, which has the um, the rubbish forehands, um, is it's spelt in a in a way it's that doesn't make sense to J O. Yeah, Ve- Veksha, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Matt says it differently when he's saying it to an English person than when he's saying it to a Swedish person. Right. Um, but anyway, Vexha is the rubbish forehand centre <laughs> of Sweden the and the brilliant everything else yes. centre of Sweden. And now it's got a tie to a brilliant forehand. Yeah, incidentally, just another little footnote. Um, it's probably a whole debate topic that we don't really have time to get into now, but Ben Rothenberg of uh, other podcast parishes tweeted earlier today a picture of um, he obviously just out of interest um, went online to see if tickets were still available for the the two men's semi-final session the first of which uh, is Thursday night uh, Edmund against Chilich and the second of which is Friday night which we now know is Chung versus Federer but at the time it was Chung versus a another Federer or Burdick and even before Federer was confirmed to be in that match and bear in mind a lot of people thought Federer uh, Burdick had a chance tonight tickets for the Friday night session were five times the price of the third Thursday night session. Was that on an exchange? That wasn't on the official website? No, it was on a ticket exchange, right, which yes. is purely supply market, and demand. It? Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's pure, pure supply and demand driven yeah. economics. Now, look, you know, we don't need to explain. Everyone knows the ridiculous value of Roger Federer to this sport, but is that a bit of a, a worry? That, that there's that level of added you know that the the world the tennis world values him above any other five times as much yeah i mean look i think values even the 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 mere possibility of him i think it's you know you're you're talking about a a freakish situation with roger federer something that chris clary ben's colleague at the new york times tweeted tonight was when was the last time you can remember an underdog getting the crowd support against Roger Federer and I mean I I was scratching my head and I was trying to think of an example and 
I mean, somebody said uh, maybe Francis TFO at US Open for a while. Even then, until yeah, it for a while. Like, until it looked like Federer might lose. And, and, and That's I mean, really, it, though, isn't it? But he, you know, there are spells when the underdogs get support, but you feel it's only because the crowd sort of want a bit of a match and want their their period of Federer joy to be extended a little. So, t- t- I just, I don't think it's necessarily representative, is... is my conclusion to that. Yes, it is a worry in a, in a way, but look, once he's not there, the sport and the fans they have to turn to somebody else. It's yeah. just the way it It'll is. naturally recalibrate. It, it will happen. But, but yeah, um, you're, I mean, look, I'm, not, I'm, yeah, I'm just. I, it, it's interesting. Though. It is interesting, and it just took me aback that it was that big a difference at a stage mm. where nobody even, you know, you'd be gambling yep. on paying that that amount of money on the possibility of, of Roger Federer playing. But hey, if I had a ticket for Edmund against Chilich, I'd be feeling pretty happy because yeah, I, mean, I think a, it's going to be paper. a good match. Yeah, it'd be surprising to me if they didn't come out and play well. Uh, they're playing in so well, and they've got such a sort of meat and potatoes type of game they know what they're doing they bang a serve down they they attack and they've both got decent defences too to just kind of absorb power so I think it could be a really spectacular match it's interesting you know I'm um, Eurosport have been um, we, we've been told we can have a, a few questions with, with Kyle off the practice court uh, tomorrow and we were a bit taken aback by the time he's chosen to hit. He's practicing nine till ten, I think, uh, tomorrow is when he book- was booked in. And I was just um, on air with Pat Cash a few minutes ago, and I explained that to him. And he sharp intake of breath, and he said, "I hope he's planning to have a nap." Yeah, I would have thought he is. Is he a napper though? I would have thought that's the plan. I I hope so because he's not played. What I guess is because he has been practicing early throughout the fortnight. I guess is he wants to keep the same routine, but of course he's not played a proper night session match this fortnight. So I'm 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 just relaying. Well, you can always give him a couple of tips. I will pass on the importance and the joy of naps to him tomorrow and will then take full credit if if he ends up winning. (laughs) It's because of the naps. So that match is going to be live on Eurosport tomorrow it's um it's it uh, 7:30 local times so that's 8:30 in the morning yeah in the UK. build up starts 8 a.m we're gonna have john McEnroe um on commentary um might even have him with me in the build up or if not McEnroe we'll have Matt Verlander I mean we are pulling out the stops David as I'm Excellent. sure BBC Radio are as well yep. I mean well they've got me in so, terms of know. in terms of viewership <laughs> this is you know orders of magnitude yeah, beyond well, we've anything ch- else we've ch- it's the huge. entire breakfast show is off the air on BBC Five Live so that we can commentate yes. on this um, and uh, we've got Pat Cash with us um, boy so, Stu's stealing Pat Cash well, you know share him about you know, oh. share, the, share the joy Tart, Pat. Tart. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, that's all tomorrow. That's coming up. We've got the. T- it's the two women's semi-finalists on which day? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. They're through the night tomorrow. So three a.m. UK time. Three a.m. Wow. Partridge impression. So two p.m. Um, so local time. So two p.m. local time. Um, I don't actually know uh, which way around they are. I presume it's Mertens against Wozniacki yes, first. Will be. It, it surely be, would yeah. be. Yeah. Um, and then Halep against Kerber, followed yeah. by me angrily demanding a, a refund from the tennis gods if it's not a four-hour-long three-setter. Yes. Um, should we, we should probably mention Mertens Wozniacki as a last point of order. 
Yeah, uh, we, well, there's two more things. One, I think, is Tennis Sangren uh, oh, addressed yes. his uh, Twitter situation. In fact, he's deleted everything he's ever done on Twitter now. He read out a, a long statement that you'll be able to find on social media if you'd like, uh, addressing all this. Effectively, he was hitting out at the media for sensationalising and, and, and uh, going with whatever narrative that they have deemed that they want to um, and uh, refused to take any questions, which is rather a different situation than he was in a couple of days ago when he seems quite happy to talk about the situation of what he tweeted. But, um, yeah, a pretty unsatisfactory and unpleasant situation all round. Unsatisfactory. It's very dif- difficult to sort of report or comment on it without his take on it. You're sort mm. of reading into his actions. Um, you're you draw, drawing conclusions on the basis of his actions, which is what he seems to have been angry about us doing up until now, but he's now giving us no option yeah. to, to, to quote him on it, and it's all really unsatisfying. I found his statement thoroughly bizarre, I have, yeah. have to say, um, and I, I think most people would. It was really sort of angry and accusatory, and then yeah. there's this paragraph at the end where he says, but I only have to answer to, to Christ, so to hell with all of you kind of so it was it was re- it was a bizarre episode um, in the day which I think will sort of sink without trace quite quickly because there's will. no way to move the story on Caroline Wozniacki as a final thought is in uh, I saw her match against Carlos Suarez Navarro after we'd finished last night and uh, she was pushed she was really pushed but cracky she's hard as nails she is so tough to beat she is, and I do think there's a little um, pattern emerging here of players, well, I suppose there's only two of them left in, but players who have been hardened by coming back from match points down early in the tournament. You've got Halep and Wozniacki that have both done that, and there's, there's every chance they could end up meeting in the final, and you'd be guaranteed another champion that's come from match point down early in the tournament, which I love. Um, but it's, it, I mean, not that they weren't hardened coming into it, but those experiences of hardened them further I think and made them feel invincible Um, so I do expect Wozniacki to come through that but then no one expected Mertens to get this far so you never know No, well, you're absolutely right. You've stayed on so, there just long enough, David. Yes, so we are the Tennis Podcast and we are standing in the player area as Roger Federer has just finished his half an hour's worth of media commitments. He is done for the night. Good night, Roger. And uh, he is off to go and sleep up and uh, he is going to relax and rest up for whatever match is next. I didn't know that. He might be going out clubbing. Well, he did talk about that with Jim Courier briefly, didn't he, a few nights ago? About going out clubbing? Yeah, dancing. But, uh, you know, it was more of a joke, I think. But, uh, anyway, so we've been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, with Eurosport. We are executive produced by Melanie Bowes, by TennisBalls.com, by Triple S. We are sponsored by the La Manga Club, the fantastic uh, holiday destination in Spain where Catherine learned her forehand and incidentally Jill Crabass has just given me a date in which I can get trained up for our rematch and I can't wait. That's happening this week. Catherine is looking nonplus with that, but she's just going to have to deal with it. We'll be back with more tennis podcasts in the next few days. See you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.